Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. We've been able to cover some new and, and different uh, interesting topics in the last few weeks here on Chicago's Legal Latte. But in looking back, it's, it's been a little while now since we've discussed family law issues. So let's turn our attention back there for today's discussion. Uh, Jim Mitchell with you again. And as we have come to learn, there are just a, a great number of issues that come into play in family law mm-hmm. cases. As my guest today will be uh, Lavelle Law partner, Emil Alcas, uh, with him here, that allows us to concentrate on uh, certain divorce topics and dissect a bit uh, uh, the distribution of responsibilities in uh, paying attorney's fees in those proceedings, something we haven't talked about before, a different angle. So we'll start in just a minute. Before we do, let's say hello to Emil and, and welcome him back because it's been a while. So uh, good afternoon, Emil. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Now, you know, we we always talk in these cases and in, in divorces frequently there there's a fair amount of acrimony and dispute and some of that centers on money within, you know, the, the marriage and, and the family unit. Is it common in divorce cases then to have to include negotiation for who's actually paying for the divorce? Uh, yes, that does come into play. So one of the issues like like you said, in addition to just dividing the marital assets and liabilities, a lot of times the liability will become payment of attorney's fees. So, um, you know, it's not uncommon for people to use credit cards to pay for their lawyer during the pendency of a divorce. And that credit card, therefore, incurs, you know, starts generating a balance that's owed, and sometimes that's in dispute. Um, but attorney's fees, just like anything else, is a debt uh, for, of the marriage, and it's one party's debt, uh, but it is still deemed a marital liability, and therefore... It, that issue needs to be addressed in a divorce as well, just like anything else. And is, is in terms of addressing that, is that something that's left to the attorneys, or are there certain provisions in, in Illinois law that might address how some of those uh, fees get handled? Um, it, it, both. Uh, typical, there, are, there are statutes set forth in the divorce proceeding, or excuse me, in the divorce statutes that addresses attorney's fees, and there's a number of ways to get attorney's fees paid from one spouse to the other. Um, the mm-hmm. most common way is what's called uh, interim attorney's fees or prospective attorney's fees. And those are attorney's fees that a spouse would pay to the other spouse uh, to to level the playing field because you have situations sometimes where we have one person that is the sole income earner in the family and the other person may not be, or uh, both parties may be working, but one has uh, a much higher salary than the other. And so there's an imbalance there with respect to paying for a lawyer. And so the courts don't want somebody to be at a disadvantage because they can't afford to pay for a lawyer uh, like their opposing spouse can do. And therefore, the courts can award attorney's fees to one side from the other uh, to, to level the playing field so that each person is represented by counsel, each of them has a counsel of their own choosing, you know, and bo- so that everybody's on the same footing, so that there's no you know, advantage from a uh, just a money standpoint where somebody's just giving up because they can't get adequate representation. 
Now, do, do the courts look at? Uh, is it just purely the, you know, as you mentioned, the the income and the asset availability, or is any of it driven by who actually files for the divorce and having any responsibility in in that regard, one way or the other? Yeah, the, the filing of the divorce uh, is not a factor, but but really, it's it's a two pronged test. So if the party, if one spouse wants to get attorney's fees paid from their spouse. Uh, they would have to prove two things. Number one is that they can't, on their own, pay for their lawyer. So they can't pay for their lawyer. They don't have access to any funds, whether it's marital or non-marital, that they could use to pay for their own lawyer. So that's step one. If they can meet that burden, then we have to look at step two, which is that the other spouse or has access to money uh, that can be used for attorney's fees. Um, and so it's a two-pronged test. Uh, that the courts look at, and what they use to look at this information is, is the parties during a divorce proceeding will fill out what's called a financial affidavit, uh, and that lists all of their income and expenses on a monthly basis. Uh, and that's what courts typically rely upon when you know, looking to see whether one party has met that two-pronged test. And you, you mentioned the concept of interim attorney fees, you know, being assigned by by the court. So uh, the court will then make its decision based on those those uh, forms that are filled out and an evaluation of, of what each side has available to them. Um, is that kind of where the process starts then? Correct, yes. So each party will submit their financial affidavit listing all of their expenses, listing all of their assets, and the courts will review those documents, and then they'll set what's called a hearing where uh, each party – or their attorneys will, you know, make what we call an argument to the court as to why they should be entitled. So, uh, for example, if I'm representing the party that's seeking fees from their spouse, I would have to show number one that she or he or she just doesn't have the money to pay her own lawyer and doesn't have access to anything. So there isn't a joint bank account. There aren't any credit cards. There aren't uh, any non-marital assets that my client can dip into to be able to pay me for my services and therefore I need the opposing side to pay for me because that person does have access to this uh, to be able to pay fees and it's usually based on the incomes Um, usually there's a disparity of income between the parties and that's what the courts usually look for but other times the parties may have similar salaries but have some assets that could be either liquidated or sold or transferred um, so that there's some money freed up, so to speak, to be able to pay for, for the attorney. A couple of interesting things that come to mind here. We'll, we'll try and follow up on them as, as we go through. And, um, you know, certainly one of them is that, uh, as, as you well know and you've talked about in the past, some of these divorce proceedings get handled rather expeditiously, and others, because of the dispute, can go on for quite a while. So as the court makes this determination, is there then a something of a – settling up at the end because the court really doesn't know at the beginning how long this case may go or once the court says you're responsible, it's sort of an unlimited amount. Um, It could be both ways. But typically the most common way to do it is they'll award. um, So if the person meets their burden and establishes the two-pronged test and the court agrees with with those arguments, they'll award like a dollar amount. They'll say, you know, pay 15000 or 20000 you know, it's based on what the really what the client is asking for, <clears throat> and most attorneys will ask for not only fees for money that's already owed, but they'll also ask for what's called prospective fees, and those are fees and costs that the attorney anticipates 
that are going to be incurred for continued representation. And so if a court does award fees to one party, that's treated as an advance of the marital estate. So, for example, if my client was awarded $10,000 from her husband, at the end of the case, she's going to get $10,000 less than what he would get because she's getting this in advance from the marital estate. So even though the attorney or the one spouse is paying or writing a check to the other spouse, they're not really coming out of pocket for that, so to speak, because it's coming from the marital estate. She's just getting it, you know, three months in advance as opposed to waiting at the end to settle up. Interesting. Okay. Well, what you're hearing today is a discussion with Attorney Emil Alakas. Uh, uh, he's a partner at Lavelle Law. He's joined us in the past, um, uh, uh, key part of the family law practice group at the firm. And in, in talking to Emil over the past few years, I've, I've come to learn that there's just so many nuances and, and unique elements to family law issues. So his experience and, and knowledge is very much appreciated here on the podcast. Uh, you can learn more about Emil and his practice at lavellelaw.com. And with a few clicks on that site, you'll come across a number of articles he's written along with his first contribution to the firm's library of video assets. Um, so there's a great deal of information at lavellelaw.com. We'll continue here. We, we talked about um, the interim or prospective uh, judgment, so to speak, by, by the court. Are there, are there other circumstances under which attorney's fees might be awarded in, in some of these cases? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, so there uh, there could be attorney's fees awarded for what's called like sanctions. So, for example, if a party, <clears throat> excuse me, if a party was ordered to do something, uh, let's say child support. So one party was ordered to pay $500 a month in child support, and that person has not done that. So the custodial parent comes back into court and files a petition to hold that person in contempt for not paying child support. And if the court enters an order, so they agree that this person should have paid and hasn't and, and had no reasonable excuse as to why they didn't pay, the court can order that that person pay the other spouse or other parent's attorney's fees for having that person go through the process of getting a lawyer to enforce something that should have been done in the first place. And so attorney's fees can be awarded in what we talked about earlier in to help or level the playing field in a divorce case, but they can also be awarded in favor of one party as basically a sanction or a punishment to the other side for not doing what they were supposed to be doing under a court order or um, by agreement. And and let me take that question a little bit further then because, you know, when we talk about family law, there are other instances besides just divorce, uh, paternity, um, other types of cases that I know you handle. Would this same concept be applied in, in those or are we just strictly talking about divorce court? Uh, no, those are applied throughout basically every family law proceeding. So uh, whether it's a parentage case, whether it's a um, just a child support case <clears throat> or a divorce uh, or a petition seeking an annulment, in all of those areas, um, there is the ability to get interim attorney's fees. Uh, and again, that's so that no party is at an advantage because they just have more access or more resources than the other party. So those are allowed in in other other cases. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, across, yeah, across other instances. Now, I, I'm just thinking a little bit here about how the description you've given us in the past about you know the, the sort of the conditions around divorce proceedings and and the state of mind of of some of the participants um, and and what they go through. 
they're probably not always thinking about the cost as they enter into it. Do you do you generally see that people are prepared for what what costs they might encounter, or is that something they sort of need to be aware of, made aware of as they start a process? Uh, you know, most of the parties that I talk to <clears throat> have a general idea that divorces aren't quote cheap quote. Uh, and so they understand that divorces can get expensive, but I, I don't think a lot of people realize what and how expensive these cases can get based on, you know, because it, it all depends on how cooperative the people are, how amicable they are. You know, the more fighting, so to speak, in a divorce case, the more expensive the case is going to be. It's just more work, more time in court, you know, and those are the things that increase the cost of a divorce. Uh, <clears throat> typically in, in a consult, when you first meet with a potential client, uh, you know, fees are discussed, and uh, we try our best to ballpark or, you know, what the attorney's fees would cost throughout the entire process, but it's so difficult because so many factors come into play, uh, whether it's an emergency motion or something comes up or something occurs that requires you to go into court multiple times. Um, but I think for the most part, to answer your question, I think people generally have an idea that divorces are not cheap, but I think sometimes that they become surprised at how expensive it can get. And and do they make it easier on themselves by, um, as you just described, perhaps you know coming into a right situation, cooperating more, and being upfront, providing you with the information you need honestly and fully, so that there are no surprises that take you back into court. Yes, absolutely. I think the more amicable, the more agreeable the parties are. Um, the, the better it is just not only financially but just, you know, from their emotional standpoint um, and just the overall, you know, emotional cost and financial cost of a divorce would just be significantly lessened um, if obviously the parties can't agree on a majority of the issues. But, you know, unfortunately sometimes it doesn't always happen. And in those situations, um, you know, costs can get high, uh, you know, so you've got costs, which are hiring experts and appraisers, but you also have legal fees that are incurred as well. Um, and, and sometimes when that happens, parties run out of money and, and therefore have to file these types of motions to, to fund the litigation so that their, their attorney doesn't get out of the case. Uh, and therefore, they need the money to get paid from the other side. Uh, and right. that's when we file these petitions. Well, that's going to take us up to the end of our conversation today. Many thanks to Attorney Emil Alcas for joining us today. And, again, let's uh, send you over to LavelleLaw.com as a point to uh, get some more information about him and the practice. And for those of you interested in a free consultation with any of the attorneys, uh, the number there, 847-705-7555.